Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on over Come on over And a good evening to you all It is Tuesday night, July 29th, 2014 And Pure Gold is live on the air Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Buccino. My co-host, as always, is David Gomez. Sir, how are you? I'm doing fabulous, sir. Excited, as always, to have another episode of Pure Gold live and on the air, as you just finished saying. And, of course, folks, if you'd like to be a part of the show, give us a call, 714-364-4721. Check out our website, puregoldpg.com. We have an exciting show for you tonight, as always, and my partner We'll tell you exactly what will be going on. Woo! All right, we actually have a guest on our show. We haven't had one in um, a month or so. So we have Mike Knox joining us from, and I'm going to read the initials. Maybe you'll tell me what it stands for, BDSIR, to talk some wrestling, uh, both WWE and maybe some TNA. We'll get into that. We'll talk some Baseball Hall of Fame as we announced the class of 2014 uh, a couple of days ago. We will get into, if we have some time, some entertainment, because unfortunately they have made another, you know, Batman versus Superman type movie. Not another, but they made it, they rebooted the Batman series with, with Superman, and I want to get into that because I saw the costume uh, just a few days ago that Ben Affleck will be wearing. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a guest um, at 11.42 that um, will remain nameless for now because I know that uh, Dave would probably just hang up on this or hang up on me, actually, if I had told him who's calling in at 11.40 tonight. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> we will, we will. So, sir, let's get right into it. We have our guest ready to rock and roll, talk some wrestling. Um, just let the audience know what BDSIR stands for, because I have no idea. <laughs> of course, you have no idea, because as usual, when it comes to this duo, I'm the only guy with a clue. Folks, we are proud and privileged. Normally, I would go on this long rant about who we have, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But I am excited to have with us the one and the only. Um, actually, you know what, sir? Just, just, just give me a second. How about you stall for a minute, and then I'll, I'll get right back to this. Okay. So we are going to be talking wrestling with our guest, Mike Knox, tonight. And um, if I have time, which I think we're definitely going to have time, I'm going to go into this huge rant about because I'm a big belt collector, sadly, I guess I'm a loser. And if Dave was listening to this, he'd probably agree with me. Anyone else listening on the radio is also would agree with me that um, I'm a big belt collector and um, just got done purchasing the newest one. And I'm hearing rumors now of a new logo. You know, the WWE is coming out with their new logo. They have it for the network. Now they're going to roll it out to everything, 
right around SummerSlam, which is only about three weeks away. So um, it'd be interesting. Hey, let to me see, ask you, so. sir. Uh, yeah. SummerSlam. I'm not sure how this breaks down. I was trying to figure it out in my head. Are we going to be able to watch SummerSlam on the WWE Network, or are we going to have to re-up for another six months or another three years this time? I think SummerSlam is the last pay-per-view you could watch under this, your six-month commitment, and then you have to re-up it in September. All right, well, anyway, folks, getting to wrestling on a different note, again, like I said before, normally where you have this long rant about who's going to be on the show, and I do this great introduction, but today I'm going to keep it short. His name is Mike Knox. He is the CEO of DDSIR Network, which stands for, I'll let him actually take care of that. Mike, how are you doing this evening, sir? What's going on, Dave? How are you doing? Uh, doing great, doing great. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. And uh, you, you you, mentioned to me off the air you were going to do the whole intro. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, your, your hands in so many different things. Just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Um. Pretty much just an average sports fan like you guys are. Uh, BDSR Network stands for the best damn show in radio. Uh, I established that five years ago. Um, created a pretty much we're on our pace right now to catch up with Raw and have BDSR Network 1000 before the end of the year. With We have shows ranging from anything from spirituality to real-life situations, what's going on in the streets, you know, with uh, your home life, your family, husband and wife, et cetera, et cetera, sports shows, and we do a wrestling show as well. Uh, from everything from Perfect Plex Talk Radio, Hour Empowering Sports, Sunday Salvation, uh, live from the Philadelphia Eagles Nest, you name it, we got something for you on the network. I always tell people when they come into the barbershop, you may not want me to cut your hair. You might only want a baldy. I can only cut a baldy. You might want to get some braids or get a taper or have, you know, one of my Caucasian friends come and I don't know what kind of what, bowl cut, whatever it is. I may can't do that, but we have other people on the network that can feature, uh, meet your fancy with that. That, that's pretty funny. Um, it's so many different things you guys cover. Now, uh, there's going to be a lot of things that we cover in this uh, interview, and, of course, it's been a long time coming. You and I have yeah. talked many times off the air uh, via Twitter, direct message, whatever the case is, and, you know, I haven't been able to have you on, so it, it is great to have you on. Um, I'm going to turn it over to my uh, my co-host because Joe, I, I was joking before, you know, the only guy with a clue, Joe has a slight clue, and I'm going to let him clue you in on one of the many topics we'll be discussing this evening, so take it away, sir. Thanks. Mike, welcome to the program once again. I just, before we get Thanks, into sir. our... Uh, Thank you. Before we get into our wrestling talk, um, I just want to know, like, give us uh, some background on how long you've been a fan, um, how, how much you watch, and um, your thoughts on the product, uh, the recent product. Uh, I've been watching wrestling. I'll be 39 years next, next week, actually, uh, Leo season. Uh, so I've probably been watching wrestling about 35 years. Since I can remember, you know, four or five years old, uh, I was told I was on my grandfather's lap and my, and my father's lap watching NWA. I grew up an NWA fan. Uh, so I, I liked all wrestling. UWF was one of my favorite. A lot of people don't know about the UWF. There would be no missing link. The Blade Runners, Kevin Sullivan, you know, a lot of those guys came from the UWF. So I've been watching for a very long time. But the difference between me and what I like to call modern-day uh, wrestling fans are is that I've learned to know that wrestling will never, ever be what I grew up loving. You know what I mean? So I watch yep. it. Yeah. I, wa- I watch it with a keen eye, and I always tell people, you know what? Will wrestling disappoint me? You got darn right they will. Will they do something really <laughs> stupid and make no sense? You got darn right they will. Is there legends? Is there divas? Everything you can name, they have a problem with. The reason why it doesn't bother me is because I've known this my entire life that wrestling has always had these mistakes, but people don't see that. So for me, 
I can enjoy the current product because I look at it like you can't do nothing to make me more mad than what I've ever been before. So anytime they do something good, I praise them. When they do something bad, of course, like my children and sometimes, I might have to, t- I might have to tap that hand and I let the world know what I feel about them. But for the most <laughs> part, I-, I look at wrestling as a revolving door. I look at the new generation, no longer the PG generation. I know that's what Big Papa Pump, that's the big talk now at Comic-Con, saying he's not a fan of this PG crap, okay? It's not <laughs> PG no more. Anybody who's with a keen eye to wrestling know it hasn't really been PG in about 14 to 16 months, okay? so But I, I look at this new crop, it's pretty much like the end of the 80s, going into the new generation is what they're doing. And, you know, we can go on and on and on about wrestling and where the, you know, the what I like to call the intelligent wrestling fan could actually get a grasp on what's actually going on and be a mark. I can, I'm proud to say I'm a mark, but at the same time, I do have my foot in the IWC as well, but I belong to neither, uh, neither fraternity. Okay. So well, what, what, let me ask you, Mike, before, because Dave is like chomping at the bit over here, <laughs> get some wrestling talk. What was the one match that like turned you on to wrestling? What was the one storyline that you remember that you're like, Oh wow, I, I got to get into this. Like for me, it was the ultimate challenge. For example, I uh, loved that back in 1990. That really turned me on to the uh, wrestling product. What, what was the one thing that stood out for you? I've been on a lot of radio shows, and that's the best question I think I've ever been asked. What actually got me liking wrestling or that match that I could say? And immediately when you said it, I had to say Tully Blanchard versus Dusty Rhodes. And I was a little bit older. I wasn't as young at that point. I think I'm maybe about 10, 11 years old. But I remember, like I said, growing up in an urban community, you know what I mean, uh, you, you don't see white guys too much with things shaved in their heads. And, and Dusty Rose comes out with Tully shaved in his head. You knew there was going to be blood <laughs> that night. And for me, that was one of the best matches I've ever seen in my entire life. Big fan of Dusty Rose growing up as a kid. Interesting, right. interesting stuff. Now, of course, Dusty Rose, the American dream, one of the greatest of all time. Now, um, I know we're going we're gonna to kind of go back and forth on a lot of things, but we talk about old school wrestling. We talk about uh, what got into wrestling. Now, I, of course, think about Hulk Hogan. When I start ranking my top ten and everything, it's weird because Hogan, to me, is undoubtedly number one. I, I think it's inarguable, of course, we can put each other in figure four, leg locks, sharpshooters, super kicks, whatever kind of wrestling moves you want to do to each other to fight out to say who's the best of all time, whether it's Flair or Hogan or whoever else. But I look at him as, as the greatest wrestling personality ever. As far as my favorite wrestling, you know, overall superstar would be Shawn Michaels. But I think about someone, a current-day guy, who is going to go down in history as one of the greatest ever. A guy that I can't stand, a guy that I have, uh, I do have respect for him off the, off the air, what he does, make a wish. Of course, you know who I'm going, you know, who I'm going to talk about and where I'm going with this. But you and I got into a conversation with a couple other people on Twitter. I believe it was last week or two weeks ago. And I firmly believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Mr. Uh, Hustle, Loyalty, and Respect <laughs> himself, John Cena, is a guy who is unfortunately in the wrong era. John right. Cena, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about this recently, he's a throwback. He's not, even though he's been the biggest star in the company for a long time now, He's really out of his element, and I think that that's why he gets booed so much. That's why guys like me and Joe can't stand him. You know, obviously you don't open him. You hope nobody gets injured, but I hope that John just, you know, gets a hangnail or something and, and decides to call it quits. But Cena is the type of guy who, who who's getting booed now. You know, wherever he goes, cheers, booze, whatever the case is. Not but last night. 
Well, yeah, not last night. True, true. <laughs> but but if this was for the most part, wherever they go, he's getting booze. You know, at least half of the crowd. But if John Cena was a guy in the '80s, I mean, Cena would have been a humongous star. It remove Hogan and insert Cena. Now, I'm not saying that Hogan, it, Cena is equal to Hogan in any way, but I'm just I'm just kind of giving you a, a basis of, of of the perspective that I look at it. He's an '80s guy. He's not a 2014 guy, and that's why I think a lot of the men. He touched on it himself, you know, that his fans are the ones getting tucked in at night. But Cena's the type of guy who's getting who's getting the half the crowd split when the company makes him the top babyface, but he's not the guy that people want to see. I'm not sure what your take is on it, but uh, you know, I I'm just I'm kind of curious to see where you fall in that spectrum of, of of Cena because as much as I loathe him and as much as I detest <laughs> him and you can't wrestle and this and that. Right. Um he really is a guy who just seems to me to be out of place, you know, with the promos that he cuts, which I can't stand. And, all right, I can go on another 30 minutes ranting on John Cena, but give me your take on that, sir. Uh, first, let me give a disclaimer by saying this. Uh, the words you're about to hear come out of my mouth does not mean that I'm actually a diehard fan, okay? Remember I talked about wrestling logistics, right, about the difference between yeah. errors and wrestling and things like that. I am a fan of John Cena. I have been from day one. I can maybe chalk it up to uh, being in the right place, right time, where I was putting SmackDown Magazine, putting some of his music videos and things like that, and a lot of his DVDs. If you go back and look at some of his fr crowd reaction, I'm in those right, shots. Right. So maybe because of that, I have a little soft spot for the guy. You know what I mean? No <laughs> broke back. But um, – <clears throat> Wrong era. I, I could first of all. I don't think you could ever replace Hogan. No, I don't think. I grew up. I had. I had the blue weight with the blue uh, grip on my wall doing my Hulk. I had. To, I had the whole Hulk Hogan workout kit with the jump rope and all. It was nothing bigger than Hulk Hogan. But in today's world, right? I, I drive a school bus by day, and 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 in today's world, believe it or not, he is absolutely adored by children. My kids do not oh, run out here. My kids do not run out here for just any. When John Cena's on, they're going to get their wrestling buddies. They're bringing out their belts. You know what I mean? They're going – my kids are going, excuse my French, ape-ish ape crazy over John Cena <laughs> being on television. It, it baffles me how they do that. But me personally, again, I realize John Cena's not for me, so I don't harp on John Cena when it comes to wrestling. I look at what he does, his body of work. I think his body of work for where he's at, I can't help it. Believe it or not, we have two legends right now. Counting, counting Mark Henry, make it three. All you have left is John Cena and Randy Orton. Everybody else is pretty much gone. You can call Jericho. Of course, he's a legend, but we know he's a, he comes and goes when they need him. You know what I mean? But for the most part, so I look at John Cena and just go, this guy has done every single thing the company has asked. Has he stayed good too long? You're god darn right he has. But they have nothing else that's going to make the most important thing, not your dollar or my dollar, that all that almighty house mother and children that love John Cena dollar. That's what rules the. That's what rules them is that dollar. And I and I know on first experience he does move that kind of merchandise for children and women. No, it's interesting that you touched on something. I have to throw this in there before I comment. You mentioned the Hulk Hogan weight set. I have a scar on the back of my head. Stitches and all from the Hulk Hogan weight set. Uh, I, I was at a party as a kid, and my brother happened to leave it on the couch. I threw myself on the couch like I did a lot when I was about five or six years old. Split my head open, got taken to the emergency room, and I will never, ever, ever forget that. You should have sued But, him. of course, 
Because <laughs> he, he got some I had money. to throw that out there. Yeah. Life-ruining experience with the Hulk Hogan white set. But I wasn't saying that Cena could replace Hogan. I'm just saying that right, he's counting the kids. Yeah, every, everything you just said, of course, with the kids, that, that that's a given. But I just look at Cena and I see the, you know, the reactions that he gets from grown men. And Hogan, for the most part, when he was, you know, in that time running wild, he was beloved everywhere. Uh, uh, rarely did you ever hear Hogan get booed. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't mind, let me put a quarter yeah, in the meter sure. for one second. I will put Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I will put Hulk Hogan. I will put Michael Jordan in the same boat. I'm going to put John Cena when I say this much. If they were to all switch reversal roles, we move Hulk Hogan of the '80s to today. And Michael Jordan, from what we all love about him, I grew up in Chicago, trust me, I got first dibs, no broke back on loving Michael Jordan. And to today's <laughs> world with the social media and how evil and mean and vindictive Michael Jordan was, they, those two guys I named, arguably two of the most popular guys in their prospective sports, would get booed today, I believe. If Hulk Hogan, 80s Hogan, was today, there's no difference. The world we live in has changed. Look at the, the emergence of UFC is so popular, not because wrestling isn't as popular, it's because the world's all about give it to me now and everybody wants to be the bad guy. Uh, I blame pro wrestling at, on a lot of its failures by us, the wrestling fans, refusing to understand what makes wrestling. Hashtag wrestling is storyline. Okay? So when you have wrestling and you no longer want your good guys to be good guys, you want your bad guys to be cheered, it ruins the product. If there's an antagonist, Right, and then there's the that's that's what wrestling is. You gotta have the good and the bad, the yin and the yang, cowboys and Indians. What do you think John Wayne was so popular for in the cowboy movies? Because he was killing out all the Indians. Of course. Well, that's my point, Mike. That that's what I mean. What I what I meant with Cena being out of place is that there's not a face and a heel so much anymore. You have your heels. You have your guys who are kind of tweeners. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I, don't, I really blame it on the company because the way the company has pushed it. You mentioned. Randy Orton, another guy I don't like. But you mentioned the legends and whatnot. What happened if tomorrow Randy Orton and John Cena retired? What would the WWE do? And, Joe, I'm going to let you comment on this because, again, you and I tend to go the same way when it comes to who we, we cheer for and who we boo. I mean, what would happen if these two guys retired tomorrow? You know, t- take it away, sir. Me or Mr. Knox? <laughs> yes? No, you, Joe, you. Oh, oh I, I mean, I, I honestly think that the WWE hasn't done their job in growing their talent. I mean, like you said, if John Cena and Randy Orton, I mean, you you would have to rely on somebody like maybe potentially Roman Reigns, who is unproven, and he's, you know, he's hot right now, yeah, but we don't know where he's going to be in a year or two from now, so um, it's hard to say where the WWE would be for now. And The thing I want to know from Mr. Knox is that, why is wrestling not cool anymore? Why in the Attitude Era when we loved it was was everyone like so into wrestling? The ratings were like through the roof. And now in what we call the Reality Era, what Triple H calls the Reality Era, it's not as cool anymore and the ratings are down. I mean, what, what do you think is the main reason for that, Mike? I, I get a lot of flack when I say certain things. I want people to understand that uh, what you guys are expressing to me about the dislikes of John Cena and how the company is going, I 100% agree. Okay, but I'm I'm more attending of I'm the um how do I put this I'm the ultimate optimistic person you know what I mean I'm the optimist optimist <laughs> you know what I mean like I'm always going to see the the better side of things and I look at the popularity thing was because obviously the biggest thing was expression 
They all, we, we really thought who they were was who they were. You, you thought, I, I would see Stone Cold back then and go, he would be like, hey, hey, you big nigger, throw me a beer. I would think he would do that. You know what I mean? And not mean anything bad by it. You know what I mean? I just think he was, it was just, that's how it was. You know, Val Venus, the big Balboski, they were believable characters. You know, and then you look at these guys now, and this is why I said they're going back to the 80s. Uh, they're, they're more character built now with the Von Dongos of the world and, and things like oh, that and the Rusefs and things like that. So then you had expression, first of all. You had better storyline written. And then most importantly, you got to bring it up, you had other people, you had other federations. So the company that had it all had to give it all to you. Now that there's nobody to give them any kind of push, because I've said for six years, five years, that TNA was nothing but a pimple on a donkey's ass to the WWE, not taking anything <laughs> away from those guys. I've interviewed half of their roster. Okay, I'm very good friends right, with those guys. But as far as the production and things are concerned, and people put, you know, the, the number one thing is putting butts in the seats, they don't do. So no competition has ruined wrestling. No expression has ruined wrestling. Uh, and I, and I got to say this much. Fans and the internet have ruined wrestling. We didn't have all the dirt sheets and things that we had way back then. If you wanted to get a dirt sheet, you had to go buy Pro Wrestling Illustrated. That was your dirt sheet, and you believed it, or you believed WWE Magazine, because I know I did when they told me that the blueprint Matt Morgan was the next Undertaker. I believed that for some reason. You know, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> the, the whole the, the world of professional wrestling is different because the world is different. Everybody gets it from everybody. You guys know. And you guys have been doing this as long as I have, and, and, and you know what you guys do, and on, on six forty a.m. and everything like that. You know, everybody and their mother now gets together and talks on a podcast. It's watered down, and everybody got their opinions and their so-called you know sources. And the internet course, has, ruined, has ruined wrestling. And wrestling fans just need to let it go. Go to wrestling. You know how I watch wrestling. I don't look for anything bad. I got children now. If it's like I said before, if it's good, that's what's up. If it's bad. So what? You, you know what I'm saying? It's not gonna. It's not gonna make or break me. If, if you don't like wrestling if, at our age, if you don't like wrestling today, that's fine. Buy the WWE Network. They got something for you that you can always remember. That's what I'm a fan of. I watch the network all the time. Oh yeah, I understand that. The only problem with, with that, and Joe and I have discussed this as well, is that it goes to show you just how bad the current product is when you go and watch all the great classic stuff of the WWE Network. Uh, you mentioned Rusev, and you mentioned these characters, Fandango. I always think about how much I love Chris Jericho. You know, he's one of my all-time favorites. The fact that he decided, you know what, I'm going to lose to Fandango. I'm going I'm to give this coveted, uh, yeah, of course, Jericho will probably put me over in a match at this point. But he lost to Fandango at WrestleMania. I don't even know what he was thinking. I don't know who thought Fandango was going to be a big superstar. Rusev is a guy that I look at as a, you mentioned throwbacks. I look at him as like, you know, a less talented, uh, you know, Nikolai Volkov from the 80s, one of those guys who, for whatever reason, the WWE likes to push these guys, uh, the Kozlovs in the world, you know, Vladimir Kozlov, um, this guy, they, they just throw these guys out there who are quote-unquote monsters, who are quote-unquote going to destroy, they have this undefeated streak, once they lose, that's it, they're done. So I don't know where the Rusev gimmick is going, they have Adam Rose, to me, a terrible gimmick, guy who is immensely talented, you know, but just a gimmick that doesn't get over with a, with a WWE live audience, when you look at him on NXT, people are going crazy because it's a much smaller TNA-like right, environment. Right. But when you have 15,000 people, 10,000 people, I mean, his, his reactions are, are none. He gets, like, he gets zero reactions. Um, you know, Bo Dallas, another guy who, his gimmick is totally different, so I don't lump him in the same class as these guys. But, 
it just seems like the WWE, when they're trying to make these new guys, these new talents, the fans don't respond. I mean, come on, let's be honest. When Rusev comes out, the people are giving huge pops to Lana. They're not giving any kind of, you know, real but, but why credibility. Do you, why do you, let me ask you a question. Why do you think it is? I, I, I respectively disagree with 90% of the names you said. I, I believe that uh, Von Dango, given the right, if he was more like Rick Martel, and, and wrestling, and, and the companies knew how to take advantage of their history and, and not try to act like their history didn't count. Because we know they forget certain things. Like, there's no way that Ted DiBiase Jr. shouldn't have had the money from the beginning to be the million-dollar son with money. That would have helped right. him over a lot. You know what I mean? I believe in Rusev. I believe in, especially in, in, in Cesaro. Uh, I believe in Big E. Oh, well, no, I didn't it. say... I didn't say Cesaro. I, I'm not. I'm not even putting him in that club. I love Cesaro. Okay. So that's not now, Koslov, let, 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 all that crap. You're absolutely right. And those. Why do we have a Kozlov and a Kali? You know things like that. I, it, it's. I, I, I like Adam Rose. I think I thought. The, I thought Leo Kruger was a lot better. You that's what I mean. mean. That, that could have been exactly. Raven the Hunter type. You know what I mean? And, I, and I'm afraid what they're going to do with my boy uh, uh, Graves over there. You know what I mean? Why I haven't seen him in a while. And it, it, it's it's all a matter of the company having the balls to do the right thing and go back into what, what, why do you have all these attitude error agents in the back if none of their attitude agent minds can create something better for TV? You know what I mean? But at the same time, when they give you something, I think fans got to be a little bit more patient. I've, I've been asking that for a while. That, like, especially when you look at things like, uh, I talked about good guys and bad guys. When they build the bad guy, no matter how much you love them, you still got to boo Bray Wyatt. You go. Know I'm saying like, Bray Wyatt. and I yeah. do too. Like I remember having I had I had uh, Tully Blanchard on the show once, and I told him I said, you know, when I was a kid, I absolutely hated the Four Horsemen. Did you really break Dusty Rose's arm? And he said, you know what? We respect the guys like you more who told us you hated us because that was what our job was supposed to be. I look at it now as an adult. You know, I'm all grown and don't like all the good things I liked before. I go, damn! How could I have not loved the Horsemen when my friends over here were big Horsemen fans? I thought they were crazy for not liking Dusty Rose. You know what I mean? And but when you yeah, don't have that yeah. you don't have that balance no more. It's it's all everybody our age group wants the same thing out of wrestling. I mean, you have all the younger kids that our age group go to wrestling and kinda of ruin it for them. I've been there with my kids where I got I'm around sixty thousand people drunk and screaming and they're screaming, you know, my my eight my eight year old son's already ready to seven year old son's ready to cry because they're saying John Cena sucks. You know what I'm saying? He got his whole John <laughs> Cena shirt on and you know, the whole the whole kitten caboodle, but we got to remember that it's storyline. Wrestling is storyline. We can love the bad guys, but still cheer for the good guys. When you can't, they put good guys in front of us and no one cheers because we don't care about good. <laughs> I just yeah. think, Mike, that I just think the tweener role doesn't uh, doesn't fly with the fans. I mean, you have like you have like these tweeners that just don't really. Uh, the fans don't know how to react. Uh, I don't know how to react. And but is that them just, or is that you that makes them tweeners? Who um, might actually come out to be a tweener as their ultimate gimmick? Pretty much nobody. Right. They build. They give you either face or heel, and we make them tweeners. Stone Cold, he wasn't a heel. He was a yeah. he was a he was a face who played. A tweener face, like CM, you know what I mean? Like, those guys are rare. Punks, uh, you know, uh, CM Punks of the world, Stone Cold, Steve Austin's of the world. Like, Jericho, perfect example. When Jericho was a face, you knew when he was a face. When he was a heel, you knew when he was a heel. There was no, you know what I mean? Certain people can't do that. Jericho's very right. good at playing both sides. Yeah, I yeah. love Jericho. The, the one big problem I have with, 
the big, well, the one big product, the one one big problem I have with the product right now is the fact that the the world heavyweight title seems to be like the the most serious tone that they have. Everything else <laughs> is just a gimmick. So yeah. the intercontinental title is put on a guy like the Miz, who you know, okay, he's going to defend it here and there. But the U.S. title, Sheamus has done a good job with that recently. I just don't think they put emphasis on the the mid card titles right. anymore you're like they used to right. during you're the Attitude Era. You know, you're you're again. This is where the company is at fault at certain things. You know what I mean? Like you just said, you, we're looking at the titles. People didn't mind Hulk Hogan having a belt for so long because you had Macho Man and Mr. Perfect and, you know, uh, Hulk Steve-o, yeah. Steve-o. You had all these guys battling for another title. So he was like, okay, Hulk Hogan, yeah, beat up those guys. We got this. They don't, you're right. They don't do that. And they don't promote them very well. What They put the belt on someone like The Miz that clearly no one likes. You know what I mean? Everybody's glamoring for, for, for Dolph Ziggler to win that match. But they go, oh, he's the guy on television. So we're going to get, you know, he's, he's doing all these public appearances for us. So yeah, we're exactly. going to put the belt on him. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan of the Miz, but I respect the, his hustle that he did to get where he's at. People don't like the Miz. We got to remember where the Miz come from. <laughs> of course. And how course. long and all the crap they gave the Miz. I mean, for his sake, hey, look, have you seen his wife? He's doing pretty well. When people say that Mrs. When the people say that Mrs. Homosexual, I go, okay. If if that's being gay, then yeah, I want to be happy like that. So I, I don't get that scenario. <laughs> I've actually never heard that before, but I agree. I, I look at I look at someone like the Miz, and the Miz, who obviously is done well, but he's got to be. When you look at all time WWE champions, he has got to be in the top five, maybe ten uh, at the most of the worst guys they ever put the belt on in terms of actual talent, but I completely respect him, you know, what he does, you know, out of the, out of the squared circle, what he does, you know, the, the appearances and everything. This guy is, is a media whore, and he pimps himself out to no, you know, to no degree. They do the same thing to no end, and, you know, good for him. He does what, what he's got to do, but at the end of the day, you're right. When I think about, um, when I think about who should have won that match, I, well, I was thinking Cesaro. I don't know what they're doing with Cesaro. I absolutely love the guy. Like I said, we'll get to him in a minute. Um, but I was thinking maybe he's going to win. Joe and I were calling that. We were, we were texting each other back and forth during the pay-per-view. And then we were both at the same time realized, wait a minute, the Miz hasn't been eliminated from this match. And then, of course, at that point, there was maybe two guys left, and we knew he was going to win, which I hated because, you know, I was hoping Ziggler would get the belt again. But Joe's right, you know. And there's just such a, there's such a thing with these titles. When we were kids, you missed so many people, so, much, so many great talents. You know, WrestleMania three, the the match that stole the show was well, wasn't Hogan Andre. Favorite match, favorite it, match it, of it, all time. My favorite go. match of all time. Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat, a match that was one on a roll up of all things. You know, small package. But when you look at that, that doesn't exist anymore. It's just hey, uh, this guy needs sort of a push. Let's give him a title. How long did Dean Ambrose, who I love by the way, how long did Dean Ambrose have the U.S. title and never defend it? Eight months. <laughs> hey, not, very, not ten months. Two guys are long. Yeah, you know, these titles, they can mean something. You know, unify them, hell, do something with them. But they don't, you know. So now they've got the, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship and all that other mess, and it just seems like, you know, it's the same thing over and over I, and over I, again. If I, had to, if I had the magic ball to, to – I, I, how you fix it is, you, 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 you see that sign that was at Raw last night and said, bring back Shane O'Mac? You know, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever's going on. You know, like I've heard, you know – uh, you know, we all do the same thing. And I, I remember during WrestleMania time, you, know, you get all the dirt sheets coming out, this, that, and other. And everybody has this affinity to hate Triple H. 
and I always urge and say, why? He doesn't have as much power as people think he does. Vince McMahon is still back there pulling the strings. And Hunter has come to him, uh, Road Dog, and, you know, upper, uh, upper, higher people up in the company as far as agents and people that Vince McMahon keeps on his right-hand side have tried to have the, he won't, what he's, he still has the final say. He still has the final say. And I, 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 I still believe, because I have nothing else to believe because I've been watching wrestling my entire life and I have children, you know what I mean, who love it yeah. and, you know, so I, I, I get to watch it from a whole new set of eyes than most wrestling fans. And I, I watch my kids, and I, I truly watch it because my kids absolutely adore it. From the network to every day, my daughter even has her own favorite diva. Now, I tell her, baby girl, you can't be a diva because I think the girls in <laughs> professional wrestling are only there to keep the boys busy while they're on the road. That's why they all marry and pass around each other in the business so much. So, baby girl, you cannot be a diva. Okay? You could watch them. But you are not going to get passed around. That's, that Daddy's job would have been failed if that occurred. But, I don't even want to let my daughters watch uh, wrestling, to be honest with you. And I try to convince my wife, and she, does, she doesn't believe me, but I tell her this all the time. Us as guys, as heterosexual guys, we don't even – I personally don't I, – I could care less about the Divas. I mean, I do, I do kind of like the, I do kinda like the AJ Page the thing that they have going on. I right. like, you know – Back in the day, Trish and Lita, when they really put emphasis in Divas Division, Molly Holly, all that stuff. But we could care less about these women because, you know what, how many guys are going to take a leak during pay-per-views and during Raw? <laughs> women women think that we're perving on, on, on them. Right, yeah. We could honestly care less. I, I know Joe feels the same way. Well, when, when I go to his house to watch wrestling, we would change the channel when the Divas came on because we're like, you know what, this sucks. Let's put something else on. And then go back to run five minutes. So I just had to chime in on that point since you're talking about your daughters and stuff like that. Because I have two really little girls, and I don't even think I think I'm gonna have to just sneak wrestling because I don't want uh, my I, girls watching that. My, stuff. My, my, my baby girl is the youngest in the house, so her 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 older brother is you know he's pretty much daddy's boy, and so whatever I do, he does. So my my daughter loves Avatar and everything else that a boy watches. My daughter's in love with it, so. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately, that's the hand I've dealt by being such a big fan of wrestling myself. But hey, I thought last night, Steve, I was shocked as hell when it, I said, it's going on? That was the main event. I actually got to give Stephanie and Brie, who's the worst. If you act worse than a porn actress, you're pretty bad. And Brie's <laughs> acting, she has actually stepped her actress up to porn acting. She went from being very bad to being a porn actress now. I think it was pretty good last night. Daniel Bryan's been working on her in the bedroom, working on her game, I guess. Well, I guess before this uh, conversation goes really south and not PG anymore, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. Uh, I, I just want to ask you, uh, Mike, where do you th- from the mid card? The people that are on the mid card, who could be elevated to the main event status? Because we know we're getting tired of Randy Orton, John Cena. Um, who do you think? Give me two or three names that you feel like. Bes- I'm going to say besides Cesaro too, that you feel like could be elevated to main event status. Do, do I take Do I take Ziggler off the list? Because he's an obvious, uh, easy candidate, right? He, yeah, if you feel like he could be main event status, put him up there. Yeah, uh, I'm going to put Dolph Ziggler. Okay. Um, um, can we just say the Shield? Yeah, the yeah. entire Shield, you feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah the entire Shield, uh, I think. Um, believe it or not, I think I think Rusev. I'm, I'm very big on Alexander Rusev. I know that's not his name anymore, but I, I think I, I was disappointed with the Rusev and, and Big E 
lack of attention it got from the crowd and the lack of what WWE tried to pull off by having him act like a Baptist preacher, which I heard was kind of his idea, never to, never to boost herself. But I, I, I'm, I was, I'm big on Rusev. Um, I think Von Dango's, Von Dango, whatever you want to call him these weeks, uh, still has something to go in the tank. Uh, Damien Sandow, it, uh, I can name, I think the roster is as good as it's been in 20 years. The question is, will the company let them be that good? I do. I think that the company has tons of talent. I, I would argue anybody tell me Ring of Honor, TNA, or, you know, uh, whatever promotion you want to have, I can clearly think that their NXT is better than the majority of these people's rosters. The WWE is being very good at picking guys. So I think a lot of these guys can become main eventers, but it's all about or in them having to, uh, you know, What's the word? Because I think Orton and Cena has, has, has sold for a lot of people, but they can do a lot more. Like last night, I felt maybe he could have had – for them to build Cesaro, even, right? Have him beat John Cena in a meaningless match on Raw that helps Cesaro doesn't do nothing to John Cena because we could say oh, he was distracted because of the match coming on. The next week, have him fight him again where Brock Lesnar shows up and distracts John Cena from losing, so then Cesaro wins again. It builds Cesaro and does absolutely nothing with uh, John Cena because he's John Cena. When Rusev was fighting Big E, did he have to beat Big E all the time? No. He could have still beat Big E. He got him counted out. He didn't just pin him too much. The company themselves, they put their own foots in their own butts when it comes to their characters, and it stops their growth. There's no way Damien Sandow to be just love like an astronaut. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you, you got him in, the, in these horrible feuds and these horrible every week coming up. You know, but how funny like, he like, did. And, and I'm sorry, last one. Uh, Cody Rhodes, to me, is the MVP of the WWE. There's nothing that guy has not been given a job to do. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it, Stardust, when it first came out. I swear I'm into it every single week he does now. I, he watches a he watches a lot of um he watches a lot of Avatar with his uh harmonic conversions and things. First thing I ever thought about was oh he watches Avatar. But other than that, I think Cody Rhodes is is, is awesome at whatever he does. When I look at Cody Rhodes, I look at a guy who I remember when he gave the whole uh part of the Hall of Fame speech for his dad, I thought to myself, Man, this guy can cut a promo this guy is a future star in the WWE. For whatever reason, he hasn't reached that level, and I'm not sure if he ever will. But if anybody has the ability, it's him. I think he's 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 an awesome talent. I love the guy, which probably means that he's you know he's never going to go anywhere because when I like guys in the WWE, for some reason they end up getting released. I mean the list the list goes on and on. Kennedy, Carlito, MVP. It just keeps going and going and going. Yeah, when I say this guy's going to be a main eventer, three weeks later he's been released. But you know you covered a lot of different bases and a lot of different people. And there's so many, uh, so many guys who could be, aren't, you know, whatever the case is. I, I've heard Jim Ross say this. I've heard Paul Heyman say this. I've heard Jerry Lawler. I've heard people in the business who know about the business say, yeah, you know, wins and losses don't mean anything. If that's the case, why does Randy Orton almost never lose? That's right. If that's the case, why does John Cena never lose? If he does, mm-hmm. it, it's a rarity. I right. totally agree with you. Cesaro could have beaten him last night. I thought, hell, I thought he should have lost to Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. You know, I just felt so many different moments in his career where Cena, I felt, could have put somebody over. And, you know, he, he and I'm not, I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, he doesn't sell. He, no, th- th- I'm not going there. I'm just saying that I think that I however, th- however they book it, a lot of times it's, you know, Cesaro looked great and he loses. How does, yeah. that, that's good, but. If wins and losses don't mean anything, why doesn't he get the win? And that's something I've never understood. You can't build a mid card. You can't build a mid card that way. Mid cards. Remember, go back and think all the all the names you named, Joe, 
and, and, and David. And think, remember in the Attitude Era, Billy Gunn could have been champion, and we would not have been upset because he was relevant. You know what yep. I mean? You know what I mean? Like you would watch a you would watch a Raw, and you actually did not know who was going to win matches. You watch Raw now, and you literally go. I mean, you're watching it for the storyline. You're not watching, and, and hopefully they give you something great in the ring, like you know Cena proved that he can wrestle last night on Raw. But besides that, you know who's going to win matches. You, you just do. It's just they don't. I don't know. That's a very good question. We got to ask Vince McMahon. Hey, you stop. Put the booger sugar down and and let John Cena lose. <laughs> hey, listen. I was shocked that that Jericho won against Bray Wyatt at the pay per view because I oh, think Jericho me. loses. He loses all the time. I mean, it's to the point where you expect Jericho to lose every single match that he's in, and he didn't. So I was t- Joe and I were literally like, you know, betting amounts of money on how much, you know, how quickly, you know, how the match was going to end. I mean, we, we had this whole ten minute conversation about how Jericho was going to lose, and when he won, we, we were both completely shocked, you know. And as much as I love Jericho, I mean, hell, the guy's got to win a match or two if if, if beating him is is going to mean anything. As long as he gave me what he gave me last night on Raw, I'm happy because that was classic calling Stephanie McMahon a trash bag, you know, and all the other kind of words. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 was definitely great. I absolutely loved I loved having that, you know, seeing Jericho do that and shifting gears to Bray Wyatt. It, it just makes me laugh because Jericho's already beaten Bray Wyatt, right? And Joe and I used to we used to do this classic bit back and forth when Randy Orton was in the middle of his, like, five-year feud with John Cena, where Randy would lose, and then he would somehow convince Cena, he'd lose at the pay-per-view, and then somehow convince Cena to give him another title <laughs> shot, even though he just lost. It was like, you know, John, I know you beat me the last five pay-per-views in a row, but I'm still a better man than you, and I'm, and I'm better than you. And Cena's like, you know what, you're right, We're, I'm giving you another title shot. And that's exactly what, what that was like. So the, the Jericho thing was funny to me because he already beat Bray, and that's like, no, I'm going to keep feuding with him, and, you know, we'll kind of see where that goes. But, um, I mean, Joe, is there, is there anything – there's so many things that we could discuss, and I know we're pressed for time here, so Joe and I are already, like, behind the scenes planning on having you come back. But, Joe, is there anything else you'd like to ask Mike before we, before we shift gears, uh, sir? Yeah, Mike, just a final thought. Um, do you think that without um, – because me and Dave have talked about this at Nauseam too. Without competition, the WWE never has to improve. They could what, – what my biggest pet peeve about Raw is that they start a match, they go to a commercial. That's how, the, that's how much they think of us, the fans that are watching at home. They're like, oh, we don't mind that we go to a commercial during the match. During the Attitude Era, that, that would never happen when you had WCW Nitro going on at the same time. So I think that sometimes they think we're, we're dumb or they don't care about us at home. Uh, where they're they're doing matches and there's commercials in between. Just give me your thoughts on with no competition. Will the WWE ever get back to where it was in the Attitude Era? No competition breeds no success for us as wrestling fans, and they don't think we're dumb. They think that we have all these devices and money to keep spending on all their products. So they they go to commercial bricks and says, "Well, you missed it on the WWE app." You know, (laughs) they want you to put your phone or your tablet on it, run to the computer like we have something better to do because, you know, they call us the uh, the, uh, reality era. So we're always, you know, got our phones or hips to us somehow. But um, no competition, I I don't know. But I do think, and and again, this is just me being, like I said, the the optimistic. They were on the verge to me of coming back to being good. Tag Team Division, everything was on its way back and. Somewhere in there, it, it, it's gotten a, a little bit of a halt. But I, I think overall, since uh, the Royal Rumble, I've given this entire year so far pretty much a B, a solid B. I think they've done what they can do. They wet the bed when it comes to certain things. And the biggest fear we have to worry about more than anything 
is the pay-per-views. Now that they're not pay-per-views and they're on the network, we get the, the pay-per-views are not actually delivering like they had to deliver before because they got us hook, line, and sinker watching it on, on demand now. So they don't deliver it much on the pay-per-views like they used to. Other than that, well, you just got to hope and pray. But, yeah, we're in trouble. No, we definitely are. I mean, the pay-per-views are basically glorified Raws. And I have two quick um, two quick points before we uh, before we sign off. Only, again, there's so many. We, I told Joe we could do this for 10 hours, just going back and forth. Um, yeah, one, 10 hours. And I, I, I know <laughs> Joe and I are going <laughs> gonna to get into this later. But uh, you mentioned no competition. Just briefly, if you can comment, TNA losing the TV deal. Um, are they done? Is that company over? What do you think? Yes. Uh, unless Fox, uh, listen, I think TNA's done. I, I think it's, this is a good thing for Ring of Honor, and maybe Ring of Honor can step in Spike TV's way. Maybe Spike TV goes a different direction, which to me, Spike TV has been a failing network for the last four or five years anyhow. So TNA losing them, I don't think they were getting much people watching them on TNA in the first place. So uh, maybe Ring of Honor or something new can pop up that, you know, can help WWE right now. Whew, it's a dark day, and it's, it's a dark day as a wrestling fan. I only have one promotion. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And my other question to you is: um, Cena and Lesnar. We pretty much know that Lesnar's going to win the title at SummerSlam. Do you think that's a good thing for the company? I mean, he's probably going to hold it till Mania. Good thing or bad thing? Uh, given a part-time I, I, wrestler that title. I think it's a great thing. I, I enjoy the promo they're doing. The biggest fight of the summer. The reason why I like it is this. Uh, I've already said the WWE champion, and we, you guys already established as well, that the belts don't mean as much as they used to mean. To have it on somebody like Brock Lesnar, who all he got to do is defend the title, what, once a month on a pay-per-view or once every two months, uh, that's fine. To me, uh, you got Paul Heyman. They can do all the talk for him, which does all the talk for him anyway. Brock can just come in, be the beast he needs to be, and put butts in his seat. Brock Lesnar's a draw. If he lost $350 million in one day, they said, Vince McMahon did, can you imagine the kind of money that Brock Lesnar does bring? He don't want to go back to UFC. At least Vince McMahon doesn't want him to. That brings in money for the WWE. And when it brings in money, it brings in better people for me and you to watch, in my opinion. Good, definitely agree with that, sir. Again, Mike, uh, real pleasure having you on the show. I definitely look forward to setting this up again. Uh, before we let you go, uh, plug your 85 shows that you have going on. <laughs> well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on, Joe and, and Dave. I've been, like you said, we've been trying to hook this up for a while now. But uh, you can go ahead and find us at bdsrnetwork.com or also right here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I air on my shows Mondays at Perfect Plex Talk Radio. Uh, Tuesdays, we're going to bring back the Geeks Inherit the Earth show, which is my comic book show. Uh, Wednesday nights, I have two grown men in, uh, talking about real-life situations and sports in the man cave. Then Thursday nights, we have No Foul Play for all my soccer, a.k.a. football fans. Then Saturday nights, I am back with the Hour Empowering Sports, followed by Smack Talk Central Live in the U.K., giving you wrestling from the U.K.'s perspective. And Sunday Salvation on Sundays with my lovely, sexy, beautiful, vivacious, yes, she has all those things, my wife that hosts that, and then also on Saturdays after and after each and every single Philadelphia Eagles football game, live from the Eagles Nest. So we're pretty busy around here trying to get to 1,000 episodes before the year two, uh, 2014 is out. So you can follow me on Twitter or anywhere social uh, media, is, uh, social network is sold at Mike Knox, spelt with three X's because... Yeah, I'm hardcore. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mike, listen, a pleasure. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks so uh, much. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, you too. Folks, that was the one and only Mike Knox as he covered. Uh, good interview, sir. Definitely some fun stuff. Um, you know, always great to talk wrestling and so many different things we could have discussed. I mean, how we probably didn't get to it. But, sir, I believe there's uh, something you'd like to uh, you'd like to discuss now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, like, our show talks about everything and anything, and uh, that's all we've been talking about is wrestling. And it's like 11.47, we, all we did last week, and I think that part of it is, yes, the Mets suck, and we're in between seasons and the football season's right around the corner. So what better way with only a couple of days away from August? And your G-men, by the way, play on Monday, this Monday, the Hall of Fame game, uh, I believe, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what better way to uh, go throwback and talk some football, go back old school, PG style, and bring back... Todd Johnstone to the program. Sir, Click. how are you? <laughs> that guy is busy. Man, that's a yeah, lot that's of shows. That guy's passionate too. A lot of mic time. How are you? <laughs> I am doing fantastic. Got a little sore throat, so bear with me tonight. I, how's every little thing there, fellas? Football season is almost here. It's almost here. Davey, excited? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, considering how bad the Mets are and the fact that I haven't watched a game in three months, yeah, I actually am pretty excited that football season is starting. Well, let's put it this way. The Professional Football Hall of Fame inductions and Hall of Fame game are right around the corner, coming up this weekend. For me, there's no greater indicator that the NFL season is upon us than watching two former Super Bowl teams duke it out in Canton, Ohio, in the shadow of the Hall of Fame at Fawcett Stadium, and the game is meaningless and hard to watch as a pro bowl. I do look forward to hearing the speeches, though, of the newly enshrined and the emotion they evoke, regardless of how long they go. Conversely, I do enjoy about a quarter and a half of the Hall of Fame game. Neither team offers up anything to look forward to, unless, of course, you are the kind of fan who looks forward to watching the NFL's supposed elite and young superstars of tomorrow go out and play horrific football. If you are that kind of Jets fan then this game might actually hold some promise for you. You may actually go out and enjoy watching a crosstown rival and a division foe go out onto the field and in front of tens of fans stink it up for nearly three hours. At the close of these games, there are indeed two winners. The team who scores the most points, of course, and us, the fans, who are relieved that another preseason hurdle has been limped over. The new NFL season harkens, beckoning us forward and on to glory, what we call could just be getting taken. I'm Todd Jumpstone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. See, that's, that's throwback right there. That's throwback. <laughs> yeah, that's, that. that's, that's, that's a great example of, of why our show got dropped from uh, 1640, <laughs> and we have no chance of ever getting back on the radio with stuff like that. But, uh, you know, gr- great stuff as always. <laughs> so, so, Todd, you, you went with the throwback, but let me ask you, seriously, definitely, maybe, obviously, um, just talking about NFL camp, just the two local teams. The Jets apparently have the best quarterback in the league in Geno Smith. They have the best cornerback in Dean, uh, Dean Milner, and they have the best coach. So we're going to win the Super Bowl again. Rex Ryan's back to his old ways of proclaiming that, you know, the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl again. How do you feel about this? you think that it's, a, it's overkill? you think it's propaganda? Or you really uh, are buying into it this year? Well, let me say this. I mean, Geno Smith saying that he thinks he's going to be a top five quarterback in the near future, I think that that's pretty optimistic. Uh, 
I, I don't want to kill the poor guy because I don't want him to be the next Mark Sanchez. I want him to be confident. I want him to go out there and think that he can complete every pass. So I'm not going to kill Gino for that because he didn't say he's going to be the best. He just said he's going to be top five. I can live with that. Now, Dean Milner, now, <clears throat> I read the entire comment, okay? And I understand where the guy is coming from, but you still don't give that answer. You know what I mean? I, I, yep. What's the matter with you? You know what I mean? <laughs> when you can go out there and you can put up the numbers of, uh, uh, of a Darrell Revis in his prime or a Richard Sherman now or a Patrick Peterson, that's a different story. I mean, this guy's done nothing. He had four good games in his entire career, so he needs to settle down. <laughs> and Rex? <laughs> Rex? I've, go ahead. Blab your head off. I don't care. I love Rex. <laughs> Rex is, is great media fodder. You know what I mean? Think about it. When Rex was saying nothing, the media was making up stuff to, to have a surface. You know, i.e. the whole Tim Tebow thing. I mean, it was just, it was, a, it was a created circus. I say this every year. The media loves to make something out of nothing with the New York Jets because we're an easy target. We say stupid things, but it's great. You know what I mean? It's fun being a Jets fan, unless you stink. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we haven't really played that bad a brand of football the past couple of years. I can live with an 8-8 eight eight season. It's not terrible. We've been much worse. Yeah, I want true. playoff wins. I want playoff appearances, for God's sakes. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm still kind of riding a wave of, uh, of back-to-back AFC championships, albeit there several years ago. But, you know, it's, it's like being a Giants fan. You know what I mean? You have terrible seasons, awful seasons with terrible quarterback play, but it's bookended by Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, and you do mention the G-Men. That's a great segue, by the way. Uh, when we talk about the G-Men, I mean, Snead retired. That was a big loss, I guess, to the offensive line of the Giants. And their new offense, uh, you know, it's a, it's a question mark. We don't know if, if Eli Manning's going to actually get it. We don't know how this team's going to react. What do you, I mean, just being an outsider or just being a local non-Jet, you know, you're a giant uh, Jet fan, tell me uh, from a Giant perspective, do you think that this offense has the ability to work with this talent that they have, or do you think that it's like plugging a square into a round hole? If that's right. <laughs> well, let me say this. I mean, I don't, I don't only watch the Jet games. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate enough where I live, and I've said this before on the show, where I live, I get a lot of games. You know, I'm in between New York and Philly, and I get all the games on CBS and Fox for both, for both, uh, for both uh, network areas. And so I get to see a lot of games. And I do watch the Giants play when they're on. As long as they're not up against the Jets, I watch who's on. Sometimes I'm flipping around between games. Here's the, yeah. what I think. With that loss on that offensive line, they had a hard enough time trying to keep Eli upright this, uh, last year. I don't see that being fixed this year. I really don't. You know what I mean? Uh, I think they're going to have major issues running the football. I think they're going to have major issues in pass protection. They may have shored up their defense so that they're saying, but their offense is going to be a real problem. It is a new system for everybody, and it's going to take time for them to get everybody on the same page and, you know, moving in the same direction. I don't know that they can afford to go, what, what was it, 0-6 like they went last year and then turn it around. I, I just don't know that they have that kind of time in this division. You know, the Eagles absolutely have the ability to run away with this division because, I mean, nobody else in the division is any good. 
Yep. And I'm well, not going to be shocked at the Giants. That's that's being completely honest. I'm 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 saying, I mean, the Cowboys stink. The the Redskins, you know, RG three is still an unknown entity because of his lack of play last year. Who knows what he's going to be like this year? They've already said already that he had a shaky few days of camp because he's got so much rust on him. Yeah. Well, you can definitely feel that football season's right around the corner when we have Todd on giving his take in his NFL camp. We'll definitely have you on throughout the NFL season, which I love uh, getting your take on it, Todd. So um, is there any uh, final thoughts before we uh, let you go? And, um, you know, we'll see. You ne- uh, we'll hear from you next time. Well, you know, I haven't had a chance to, to reach out to you behind the scenes, so I'll, I'll say it on the air. I mean, I got a chance to listen to uh, the show last week in, in podcast. And I have to say, Joe, you did a fantastic job by yourself. Really <laughs> wonderful show. Enjoyed it a lot. Dave, did you hear that? Yeah, I'm not. I, I tuned out when uh, you said uh, Todd Johnstone <laughs> was joining us. I, I, I have pretty much not been listening for the past 15 minutes. Oh, by the way, Joe, I'm just letting you know the minute you forget about it, I'm deleting that episode so it's never going to exist. I want you to know that because the fact that you screwed me over is still not lost. I, I just just got to throw that out there. It's not lost on me. Dave falls asleep and I get uh, and I'm the one that did screwed him over. It's 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 amazing. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, Todd, thanks so much for, uh, you know, contributing as always. Uh, we definitely appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon, sir. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Take care, sir. All right, Dave. That was, that was uh, your buddy Todd Johnstone, and I'm surprised you didn't oh, hear yeah. this. No. I was, I was trying to sign in. I was trying to sign in so that I could play this when he was talking about the Jets in the playoffs. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? <laughs> so, sir, with with about three minutes or a few more minutes, I know you and I know you need to run off the air. Let's let's really talk about uh, just the NFL, the uh, NFL, not the NFL, the the, the NFL. MLB, <laughs> the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. They had their there are uh, six people that got in, and they were basically Glavin, Tom, um, Glavin Maddox, Frank Thomas, Bobby Cox manager, Joe Torrey manager, Tony LaRusso manager, but uh, one person that was not on the ballot this year, and I don't know how many years it's going to take now for him to get on the ballot, and that's our boy, the catcher of the Mets, Mr. Mike Piazza. So give me your take on the people that did get in, and just tell me when does Piazza actually get in now? Well, I, I don't know if you heard, but they also changed the eligibility now where they shortened it, I think, from 15 years where you can continue to be continuously on the ballot to 10 years. And uh, honestly, I have no idea. It's been like three years that uh, Piazza hasn't made it in. I'm still confused as to why. This guy should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I guess at the end of the day, it, what matters is that you get in. Um, but I, you can't knock any of the guys who got in. I know Frank Thomas is a little bit... Of an older player, I'm actually going to uh, I'm actually going to look this up and see when he started his career. But um, the truth is that I, I, and there was never any rumors. Frank Thomas was always a big guy. Nobody ever talked about Frank, uh, you know, being on anything. Well, 1990, so that's probably why, because he really predated all the steroid era. But Piazza was a, was a rookie uh, four just four years after him. So why is Frank Thomas in the Hall of Fame? Deservedly so. And Mike Piazza still hasn't gotten in. I'm, I'm a little confused because at the end of the day, 
Piazza was never mentioned as being linked to any sort of steroids or, or any HGH or anything like that. Um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Piazza's career actually started technically in 1993. That's when he was Rookie of the Year. So he's, he played, he started three years after Frank Thomas and uh, explained to me why Thomas, hell, man, Frank Thomas has a longer career. I can't believe this. Thomas played from 1990 to 2008. I mean, that's 19 years. That's insane. Um but anyway, as much as I like Frank, who's a who's a great talent, a guy who could hit the ball, smash the ball like nobody else, it just doesn't make any sense to me that he gets in, Piazza's still not in. How many years is it going to take for Mike to actually get on, get in? Stuff like that really upsets him because Piazza is is a first foul Hall of Famer, a guy who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and a guy who's done nothing and no one has ever heard any sort of uh, anything otherwise. Sir. So that has always baffled me, and it drives yeah. me nuts to be honest with you. No, I agree with you, and you know maybe this is going to come off as being a Yankee hater, but honestly, um, you know when when Buck Showalter was fired back in 1995 and Joe Torre took over in 1996, um, I feel like that team was so stacked in, in their starting pitching, their bullpen, the way it all came together. I feel like we could have somewhat managed that team, especially the mm-hmm. 98 team. So when Joe Torre goes into the Hall of Fame because he wins four out of five or he wins four World Series with the New York Yankees, uh, the, the the team that was a juggernaut back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, I, I, I have, a, I have an, uh, an argument with him getting in before somebody like Piazza, because, and I know you can't compare a manager to uh, yeah, a player, yeah. but you, you can't do that. But, like, honestly, sir, like you said, Frank Thomas, too, mainly gets in because of his offensive numbers and being a DH. So, Mike Piazza wasn't isn't a great catcher, wasn't a great catcher defensively, no. but the the numbers that he put up in a position that's hard to play because of you, you know you you really do a wear and tear on your knees. Um, Greatest hitting catcher of all time, without a doubt, not even close. It's not even right. debatable. There's no one and even the fact, in his league. Right, and the fact that he doesn't get in before Frank Thomas at DH is, is is to me is a total joke, and I just don't think that Joe Torre should have got in on his first ballot. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, considering uh, considering that Frank Thomas stopped playing in 2008, uh, he's, this is technically only his second year of eligibility, and Piazza stopped the year before that. So Piazza has less time that he's going to be on the ballot than um, this guy does. So that's the thing that drives me nuts is the fact that Piazza's time has been cut and, and they kind of rushed Frank Thomas in there. I don't understand that. Um, again, Glavin and Smoltz, you cannot argue with them. I'm sorry, Glavin and Smoltz. Glavin and Maddox, you can't argue with them. Smoltz, I think, should also be in the Hall of Fame. Um, his numbers as a closer combined with his his uh, starting numbers are just unreal. I mean, the guy, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, if you had to pick a guy to win a game for you in the playoffs out of the three of them, there's no way, or a big game period, there's no way you take Maddox or Glavin over John Smoltz. No, I agree with you. And John Smoltz will definitely get in next year. I think he's eligible next year. Yeah, I mean, a hell of a ball player. Just, I mean, he's got over 200 wins in his career. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it here. ERA 3.33, great ERA, and of course 154 saves. So he's got over 200 saves and over 100, uh, over 200 wins and over 150 saves. What's amazing to me is that he has 155 losses and 154 saves. Like, is there any guy who has as many saves as, as he has losses? I mean, that that's unreal. But um, that's crazy. anyway, getting back to, getting back to the, the task at hand, Larusa has to be 
get in for being the smartest manager in baseball history. I mean, the guy pretty much reinvented the game, uh, you know, just by far the, the smartest, probably the smartest human being to ever play baseball and to ever yeah, be involved in baseball. Right. I mean, invented invented positions, invented, you know, invented, uh, you know, pitching roster spots for people. I mean, the lefty specialist, the righty specialist, the bat boy specialist, the, the, the sunflower <laughs> seed specialist. I mean, this guy is clearly head and shoulders. As a matter of fact, they should call the Hall of Fame, the Tony La Russa Baseball Hall of Fame. Bobby Cox, uh, you, know, he, <laughs> you know what? I know you hate anything Yankee-related, and I know you're not a Phil. Uh, uh, let me tie this into something else. You're not a Phil Jackson fan, and Phil obviously won all these titles with all these great players, so he kind of relates to Torrey in that sense. But I think I think Joe Torrey, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I guess it's kind of hard to argue when you look at Bobby Cox getting into the playoffs all those, all those years and not winning, and then regardless of what. Tory managing to win four titles, uh, you know, I think it's still pretty impressive, and I think he did a hell of a, a hell of a job. I think he went to five World Series, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, he had a great career, and it is what it is. As much as you hate the Yankees, uh, he, you got to put him in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, he's got to go in there eventually. Eventually, not just not first ballot because I'm a Yankee hater. So, <laughs> that's all I have to say. And um, I know we're running out of time. We've run out of time, sir. So, yeah. let's just say. Let's let's save the TNA talk for next week, and we'll talk about also the new movie. So uh, the Batman Superman movie. I just want to just go over some stuff that I I found out. I'm sure you know about it too. Um, thanks for all those listeners that are listening out there in Bergen County. Um, you know who you are, <laughs> folks. Thank you so much for listening. As always, it's a pleasure. Your pleasure, of course, to listen to Pure Gold. I know that our guest tonight, Mike Knox. He claims the best damn show in radio, but the fact of the matter is that this is the best show in radio. Hands down. No doubt. No doubt. Best ever. Solely because of me. Folks, tune in right. next week. Uh, and try to get us to, some guests. I'm trying to work on a serious guest, someone who actually is on the, the Mad Dog channel. So I'm trying to trying to get uh, you know him as a radio host from the Sirius XM channel. Uh, trying to get, I don't, I don't want anybody to think that you know we don't have serious guests. We're trying to get a serious guest, but anyway, uh, I got the peanut gallery chiming in here, folks, behind the scenes. Thank you so much. Make sure to check us out next week and uh, check out our website puregoldpg.com. And of course, as we sign off now, make sure you call into us as we're signing off the year seven one four three six four. Hey, don't you love how every week we close out the show and we give out the number? Right. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you gotta love that, sir. Oh, by the way, before. Before we hang up, real quick, um, the WWE title belt. I told you today when we talked on the phone, I need to hear it, sir. Give us your take on the potential that the <laughs> WWE title belt is going to be changed because of the ridiculous Wonder Woman-like girl logo the WWE. I, I got to hear it, sir. I have to. How could you do this to me, WWE? After I spent like a, a boatload of money on buying this belt because I felt like it was the best belt out there since the Winged Eagle and the Attitude Belt, I go out and I spend money on it, and then I go nuts and start hearing these rumors, and they're probably true rumors, that dumb logo that is on the WWE Network right now is going to be the new belts that are going to be rolled out post-SummerSlam. Exactly. Go to hell, WWE, for for making me spend all the money in the world on these stupid belts that I should not be buying anymore. Shame and on that, you! And the fact that, the fact that this belt was only around for about a year is makes me even more <laughs> nauseous. I mean, I cannot take it anymore. And of course, guess what, Dave? When that new belt comes out, guess who's going to buy one? You are, because you're a belt. The, the loser.
Oh, man, what an absolute loser you are, sir. you got to love it. This show is the greatest show ever, uh, sir. Thanks for that. I definitely think you could have gone. I mean, this is what people were hearing when they heard that. There you go. Not, a, not, not enough of a, of a Joby ramp, but... We'll, we'll shut up! Shut up! <laughs> shut up! Shut up! I think that WWE needs to know this right now. What do you mean you don't agree with me? Do you know who you're dealing with? You know what? That's Joe in a nutshell. <laughs> you make a dog sick! <laughs> <laughs> Folks, tune in next week. I, I gotta love this show. Uh, for JB, this is uh, DG signing off. And make sure that that piece of trash never calls the show again. Or you are going to be off the air, sir. Just letting you know. Have a wonderful evening, folks. Woo! Oh, wait. Sorry, I have to... I can't sign off without playing this. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. You guys are awesome. Yes, we are. Thank you so much. And by the way, TNA. Mistake. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.